Hi, everybody. Uh, I am live uh, once again uh, on Facebook uh, to have another discussion about COVID-19 and what's going on uh, in our neck of the woods uh, at this time. Uh, today, I am joined by David Nidemdent, who is the president of the Arts and Science Undergraduate Society at uh, Queen's University. You've been the, the president uh, of the Queen's Arts and Science Undergrad Society since May. Uh, David, thanks a lot for, for joining me. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot for having me, Mark. I'm really excited and it's yeah. great to have a conversation with you about some of the issues we're facing together as a community. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. And, um, you know, I'll just, I guess I'll just jump right into it. Um, you know, first of all, welcome back to the thousands of students that, that have come here. Um, and this is diff definitely a, a different year and a challenging year. Um, you know, everything's different from the way that uh, students are uh, engaging, uh, you know, how they're learning what the lifestyle is like uh, compared to different years. Um, so, I mean, tell me a little bit about how it's different. Like what's life like you're in your second or third year, second, third year, third year, you're in your third year. What was life? What is life like this year compared to when you were in first and second year? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's a great point. And I think, you know, when, when students talk about university and coming to university, the two most important things that, that they'll often talk about are, are the education, the learning, um, you know, the amazing experiences that come with that, and then the community. Um, and both those things are just so drastically impacted by, by COVID-19. Um, Queens, it, with respect to the learning, I mean, Queens announced that we'd be uh, remote in the fall quite a while ago now. And so um, the university, whole university community was kind of preparing for this, this remote fall semester um, for a very long time. And that adjustment's been a difficult one. I think it's been a difficult one, um, not just across Queens or across Canada, but across the world. Um, you know, I was, was looking at my uh, my phone earlier and I saw, saw a notification that said, is remote work working? Um, and the same question, can I think we have a remote learning and about remote everything? Um, it's, it's a whole new world out there. And so everybody's kind of adjusting to that on the learning side. And then with respect to the community, I mean, especially at Queens, when so many students, including myself, uh, found the Queens community is one of the great drivers that, you know, we chose to especially come to Queens. Um, that's a huge, huge difference in how you can interact with that community. So um, it is a whole different world out there. That's for sure. So you're uh, um, you're the president of the Arts and Science um, Undergraduate Society. Um, and by the way, for those that are just joining us or or those that have any questions for David, um, as always, put them in the comments and Kate and Parth will will get to some questions in a few minutes. But so you're the president of the Undergraduate Society um, for Arts and Science. What's the total enrollment of students um, at any given time? I realize there's less students here now, but what's the actual enrollment number when you consider virtual and everything? Yeah, for, for undergraduate students in arts and science, we're usually around 12,500, sometimes 13,000. It kind of depends on the year. Yep. Um, this year is, was very interesting because we've uh, gotten a, a very big first year cohort this year, which is really, really exciting. But um, obviously, and, and we can talk about this maybe a little bit more, but especially yep. first year of university right now has its challenges. But the total student population is somewhere around 12,500. So 12,500 like is arts and arts and science undergrads and, uh, alone. Do you know, have a sense as to how many of them actually sh are in Kingston? Like, yeah, well, like ballpark. I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I think that the general number that's thrown around for, for kind of Queens undergraduates as a whole yeah. is a little bit less than half. Okay. So we're seeing something like 10, 12,000 undergraduate students in general who kind of came to Kingston at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you're going to extrapolate that down, um, if that's about half or a little bit less than half, 
you probably got, you know, somewhere between four and 6,000 hard size. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was getting at ultimately. So it's about, you're saying that there's about half the number of, of students uh, here. And, and you said that there was a big cohort in, um, uh, in residence in first year. Uh, explain that. Well, it, it is very interesting, um, you know, this first year experience, because you do have uh, some students in, in, in residence and residence has really overhauled their entire practices. Um, you know, usually in residence, you see students in single rooms or, or rooms that are adjoining a bathroom, but also in double rooms or triple rooms or quad rooms. And obviously that's a little bit different now. So they've got students in residence in these kind of household bubbles where they're kind of interacting with people on their floor, mm -hmm. um, but they're trying to isolate those bubbles as well. Um, but then you've got a, a really significant number of first-year students, especially, who didn't come to residence this year um, because that residence experience is really different. Um, and, and, you know, financially, it is a burden to come to residence. You have a lot of students who are joining Queens for the first time and joining our community uh, from home, uh, which is a, a very new experience. That, that, yeah, that certainly is. That would be different. It's definitely not what they were expecting. And I imagine this is not what you were expecting when you decided to put your name forward um, for president and you ran um, in that election. Um, you will forever, you know, when when you're as old as me and you look back on your um, uh, um, university education, you can be like, yeah, I was the president during the year that the pandemic made everybody work online. What what is different about your job now? You know, like what are you doing in terms of assistance? Um, you know, from from not just you, but from your executive uh, and uh, and um, the art, the arts and science society, generally speaking, like what are you doing that's different um, in terms of how you you provide supports to students and services and stuff like that that they need? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the short answer is everything. Um, everything's different. I, you know, our election night, uh, myself and our, our amazing vice president, Matt, our election night was January 28th and 29th. Yeah. The 28th happened to be his birthday, which was a, a fun birthday present. Um, but, uh, you know, if you think back to the world, January 28th and 29th, um, that is a long time ago. And, and a lot of things have changed. So, you know, we come in May 1st and almost immediately after the announcement comes that, that the, the school year is going to be online. Um, we're very fortunate in that, that you know, we were, uh, you know, our jobs take us full time through the summer uh, on, on paid work. So we had four months to work with our team uh, to get everything we could online. And the first and, you know, arguably I think the most important thing that we had to do with respect to that was, was orientation. Um, because orientation week, as everybody in Kingston will know, is, is one of the most exciting times of the year. Um, you know, you get thousands of students kind of coming back to campus. It's a really festive atmosphere. We get the entire community involved. Um, and May 1st, we, we realized that that was going to look very different. Um, and so for, for our organization, uh, which does oversee the arts and science or, uh, orientation and that team, which just did an incredible job this year, um, it was moving all those supports online. So it made sure that we were, you know, connecting people with groups of first years that they could, you know, become friends with and have a great community going into first year. It meant that we were connecting them with businesses and organizations in the local community to get them integrated into, into Kingston, even though um, not all of them were, were kind of there in the moment. And then it was also integrating into Queens and the academic experience. So that was kind of item one. Um, but for us at ASIS, uh, you know, we oversee thousands of volunteer opportunities, usually everything from the Kingston Humane Society um, to, to a group called Alzheimer's Outreach. We just it's, it's truly thousands and it's hard to to kind of encapsulate what each of those have have done to adapt, because what we've done over the last months has been translating every single opportunity we can into a remote setting. Um, and that's been been really interesting. But then, you know, when we talked about a little bit earlier about this, this kind of remote learning 
the biggest thing for us as well has been supporting students in that. And you, you mentioned how we're supporting students, and that's been one of our biggest focuses. So our Academics Commissioner, Elise, she has um, you know, launched a, a new process called the Academic Assistance Process, whose chief job is to support students in this time of remote learning in, in finding the places that can kind of resolve their concerns. We're seeing a lot of students who want to talk to their professors and want to talk to the departments and want to talk to the faculty, but how remote learning is going. Um, and they don't always have channels to do that. So we've had a, you know, a great experience that this, this uh, summer and fall working with the Faculty of Arts and Science to find ways for students to really get their input heard and hopefully to, to make positive changes in, in remote learning as we go. Here. So you guys rely on quite a bit on, if I remember correctly, um, different levies and fees um, in order to generate revenue um, to provide different supports and programs and whatnot for students. Um, I know that usually students get to vote on a few, some of those items as to whether or not that they want to adopt them. Have your revenues been impacted by all of this? Uh, I mean, I know that um, generally speaking, the university's revenues have been impacted, but I'm more, more focused on the, the revenues of, uh, of your uh, undergraduate society. Have, have they been affected by this? Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, it's 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 a very interesting one. We had we had good news on revenue, which was that, um, which was that you know the student choice initiative, which was kind of a uh, an initiative implemented by the Ford government, um, which ended up depriving a lot of student governments of revenues in the last couple of years, was repealed in January. I think it was January. It was in the winter months there, um, and so uh, that has meant that we do get some of that re- revenue back from student fees. Because you're right, we do get that student fee, but when you look at the other sources of revenue for us. Uh, we sell those amazing Queen's leather jackets and vegan jackets that you'll see students wearing that are really a symbol of Queen's. We you know, sell our, uh, tickets to Arts and Science Formal, which is a, a really big event at the, at the yeah, very end of the right. year. We have a poster sale for all the first years. A lot of these revenue streams look quite a bit different this year without yeah. uh, you know, 14,000 students or 13,000 students on campus. So for yeah. us, that has definitely been a challenge revenue-wise. The flip side of that is that when you're not putting on an Arts and Science formal necessarily um, in, in kind of the same same version that we always see it with you know hundreds of people in inside one room um, that means our expenses look a little bit a little bit different as well and so one of the things we've worked with a lot uh, with student organizations and with university has been um, how we're going to spend students money efficiently and then when we realize and we know exactly how much we're going to spend given how unpredictable things have been how we're going to get students back some of that money if we haven't spent it this year right um, yeah, and, and the process that'll take this year. That's a really good point about your the jackets. I mean, it's I, I don't imagine that it's the same kind of excitement to um, put on your jacket after you finish your last exam in first semester virtually. Like you finish the exam and you're in your bedroom and <laughs> at home, wherever that might be. Like you, you lose a sense of that 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 um, camaraderie and um, the the queen's spirit. Definitely, especially if you're in first year, I can only imagine. Um, what that's like and how people will adapt to that, right? Like, I mean, it's been like this forever. Like those friends that you make in first year are usually the ones that are in your frosh group or that were on your floor in res. Um, And that'll be different for a lot of people when they come back uh, next, you know, if assuming that they're coming back in September of next year, which I think is very most likely, um, it'll be different for them because a lot of that, a lot of that they missed out on in their first year. I, I imagine that your term is one year term. Is that right? I imagine that whoever fills your shoes afterwards is going to have to deal with that issue, right? Of like, how do you bring this community together in particular 
um, you know, three quarters or half of the people who weren't even in the city before that. Yeah, no, you're you're hundred percent right. I mean, um, when you think of of how the student experience when you're an undergraduate at Queens who who kind of comes to residence usually goes, and this isn't you know the same for everybody, but uh, many people will will come to residence. They'll meet lots and lots of friends. They'll move into a house with them in the student district in in second year, and then they'll live in the student district for a couple of years. Um, those leases get signed, you know, starting in the late fall and going through to the winter. Um, but it's very difficult if if um, you know, if you weren't in residence, if you haven't had the chance to meet so many people, um, you know, what do you do for a living situation next year, for example? That, that's a, a, a very difficult question. That's one a of very things, valid question. Yeah, no, no, it, it's one of the things that, that we really have tried to prioritize is building a community, especially for first years. So with orientation week, that was super, super huge, super, super important, really focus on building those groups. Um, but we've also launched, uh, you know, uh, led by amazing director, Tina, we've launched um, a new assets mentorship program which is really, really cool. And it's brought together upper years and first years, um, not only on a one-to-one basis, but trying to create that community because now we've got this network of mentees and mentors and how can we bring them together? How can we introduce these first years to the Queens community, regardless of where they are, regardless of what time zone they're in even. Um, It is really building those connections. It's central to Queens and it means it has to be central to our efforts as well this year. Okay, let's set the record straight on something before we go to some questions. You know, inevitably, whenever I share something on Facebook about uh, a couple more increases in cases in the Kingston area, and, you know, they say, oh, the, the, the people were, were between 20 and, and, and 30, everybody starts shaking their fists, those damn Queen students. Um, I mean, what's your take on all that? Do you think that the university and our local public health agency, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not throwing, trying to throw you a softball or anything, be honest, like, do you think that, They've been doing a good job. They've done a good job. Do you think that it's handled well? I mean, you represent these 12,000 students. I think it's fair to say that not every student is like that um, and is not so, um, you know, disrespectful. You know, you always have your bad apples in a bunch. I'm There's 338 members of parliament, and I'll tell you, they're not all saints. <laughs> there's a few bad apples in there, too. Um, but what, what are your what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is a situation where it's, it's hard to simplify it into like one sentence for you. Yeah. Um, for the for, first and foremost, the overwhelming majority of Queen students from the time they got here until um, today and going forward have been super, super respectful, have been um, really cognizant of what the guidelines are and really working to stay within them. So many people have built kind of bubbles with different houses um, and have, you know, really worked hard to, to kind of stay inside, um, you know, their, their groups and their social groups. And frankly, I mean, looking at the COVID numbers, we are seeing an increase these days. Um, we are not seeing that students have just gone wild and, you know, let it spread to, to hundreds of cases. And I think it's first and foremost important to recognize that, you know, the majority of students were always going to and have continued to be very respectful, respectful of guidelines. I think um, for myself, you know, what I would view is I think there were, uh, uh, as you kind of allude to, there were always going to be students who just, you know, who had been at home with parents or, you know, in other family situations, uh, cooped up for a full summer, who were in the midst of four years, which people say you can never get back and are unlike anything else uh, in the world and who get to move back to Kingston and see all their friends. Um, and there were students who were going to be looser with, with public health guidelines. Um, I think the response over the last three, four weeks from uh, kind of all the actors involved has really, um, you know, frankly, just put a stop to most social activity that, that goes beyond guidelines. I think, 
university district has been you know, very quiet over the last weeks. When people first showed up, um, you know, there, there was socializing. We saw kind of the pier, lots of people at the pier. Um, frankly, it seems like some people were surprised by that. Um, and there were going to be students who, who did some socializing. Um, I think, you know, at, at this point, uh, we've been lucky that so many students have been, have been great about it. Um, and we are seeing now that, you know, it really has the last couple of weeks been uh, a, a frankly, really, I think, impressive showing from, from students and being really, really calm and really respectful of, of what the situation is and our obligations to the community. It, yeah, I mean, if, if I have to be totally honest about it, I I actually thought that it would be worse to be, to, like, if I'm being honest, because, you know, you you, you throw a whole bunch of different things together um, related to the pandemic and what's going on. And then you also top it off with the fact that a lot of the bars and night establishments are extremely limited and or closed because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, I just assumed that more parties and stuff like that would happen. Um, we're hearing about one offs like here and there. We're hearing about, you know, this party on Johnson Street where, you know, a number five or six people uh, were infected. But but I'm not hearing about it to the degree that I thought I was going to like, and I, and I mean that with all due respect to all students, but um, I, I think that, you know, uh, you know, I, and it was inevitable. I think that, um, you know, we were saying this offline before, before we started uh, going live that I don't think it matters if you're students or not students, you bring thousands of people from across the country to one location and something's bound to happen. It's about how you deal with that. Um, and I think that the public health agency locally and, and Queens and, of course, the city with stepping up, um, you know, the fines and, and bylaw and, and really taking this seriously has has uh, has done a good job on 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 controlling that. So, I, I mean, yeah, we never want to see one person uh, get infected. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that it's, it's been relatively uh, successful. Um, especially when you measure to other universities like Western and uh... <laughs> that, that was exactly where I was going with that is, is frankly, you know, that there's lots of comparable other universities and I, and I think Queens has done, you know, both from an institutional perspective and with the city and then and the students have, have done a fantastic job. I think people do get it. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit harder to social distance when you're in a house with five people already um, because all of a sudden, you know, you're supposed to have a 10 person social circle, but if everybody in your house sees one person, the dynamics of that circle and the math of that circle gets a little yeah. bit interesting. So it's, yeah. it's a, you know, there are certain dynamics to the student experience and the student dynamic in the student district where you have houses upon houses that make it very difficult. And I think in light of those circumstances, students have done a fantastic job. And, um, you know, it, it's been good to see that, that things have at least remained under control. If unfortunately we've ha have had some cases re recently, but um, no, I, I think it's been a, a remarkable instance of collaboration and recognizing what's important from both the students and from the city. Okay, um, let's go over to um, Parth and Caitlin. You guys were monitoring uh, um, the comments there uh, to see if anybody had any questions for, for David. Uh, do you guys have anything there for us? Yeah, so the first question comes from Amy, who's wondering, thanks for taking this approach, Mark and David. Having an open and positive conversation is very necessary. We sometimes forget as, a, as adults what university was like. So what safe incentives and supports are being put in place by ASSIS to help students maintain their social connections, physical well-being, and mental health? Mm, good. That's good. So what's being put in place, David, to help um, in particular, I, I like that, uh, mental health and uh, individual well-being and, and maintaining those social circles. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and that that's a great question. I think it is something that, you know, and I'll talk a little bit about what we're doing, but that is a university-wide wide challenge. And that's something that Queens from the very highest levels has taken on. And I know that, for example, the Queens Student Wellness Services and the mental health side have put, you know, have, I think, I believe they've, they've kind of increased their capacity. They're able to do, uh, you know, counseling remotely. And I think it's been, you know, that that's been very successful on the mental health side for us. Uh, in terms of on the safety side, um, we've had some great collaborations with the Faculty of Arts and Science with Dean Crow and the rest of the team in pushing out some communications to students The tie, you know, the safety point first to our obligations as a community, which are, of course, so, so important, but also to, you know, at some point, if students want to come back and have normal life, we have to be respectful now. And I think that's something that a lot of students really realize is, um, you know, we're not going to be able to come back to to regular life at at Queen's if we're not going to, you know, be able, if we're not going to be able to act responsibly now. So on the safety side, that's kind of where that goes. Um, But for us, in terms of students' community, well-being, uh, that's something that, that we've re- really, really focused on. Um, and that's something that we're, you know, when I mentioned those volunteer opportunities that we're, that, that we're running, it's something that we really, you know, we've got literally hundreds and, and thousands of volunteer opportunities running right now where students have the ability to, to get involved and to do something else. To the extent that we can do things socially distanced, um, we're looking at being able to uh, walk dogs with the Kingston Humane Society, um, which is something that's been hugely popular because not only does everybody like dogs, they also love an excuse to get out of the house. And when you're uh, learning on Zoom for hours and hours each day and doing homework in your house and, um, you know, kind of living cooped up, it's really nice to be able to get outside. And I think as the winter will bring challenges, we're really looking to find places for, for students to build a community with each other um, and then also, you know, for them to be able to, uh, to get involved where they can. And I know the university has, you know, opened up some intramural sports um, to the extent that that's safe um, and that they're also looking at kind of some outdoor gathering spaces as well. Um, it is interesting as the weather gets colder, how this, how this will go, but mm-hmm. that, that's kind of been the perspective we've taken on. Mm-hmm. And you got another one there, Parth? Yeah. Jason is wondering, RMC just sent everybody home. What are your thoughts on that given RMC cases in comparison to the amount of cases at Queens? Do we know the RMC cases? Or I'm, I'm not aware of any. Do you, do Parth, do you know? Or Kate? Not that I know of. Okay. What do you think of that that approach? I mean, I think uh, RMC is 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 a uni- very very unique university, um, and you know their their uh, protocol and rules of engagement and stuff like that are, are quite different. But but what are you, what are your thoughts on on that? Or were you aware of that, David? That they had they were Not saying. I think I, if I remember correctly, they were saying that everybody was going to go home after um, uh, Thanksgiving. They were sending everybody home for the rest of the fall term. Um, do you have any comments on that or? Yeah, I, I guess I have a couple comments on it. I think the first thing is that uh, I guess there's, there's first a distinction between, you know, what we should make between students and residents and students that are off campus. Yeah. Um, for students and residents, obviously the university has direct control, but the university is also, first of all, I think done a fantastic job in instituting safety measures. Um, and second of all, uh, they've got some great safety protocols in place. I know there's some residences that have been set up specifically for those to, to isolate and to quarantine who might've been exposed to COVID-19. So on the resident side, I think Queens has done a fantastic job of, of kind of preparing. Um, and I would hope that, and I think so far that those measures are holding up and that we are going to be able to kind of get through the year with residences functioning well. And, and I would hope that, you know, it won't be a necessity to send people home. With respect to the student district, um, you know, I think, first of all, sending everybody home at this point would be drastic. And second of all, um, students living off campus aren't necessarily under, under the control of, of the university. And more importantly, um, they've, they've signed leases, you know, they're, they're paying, you know, in their houses and, 
um, you know, they, they've got kind of just, just as much of a right to, to stay in their houses as, as anybody else does. I think, you know, students do like being in Kingston. Um, I, I'm sure anybody with, with teenagers at home knows that there's some time when 18 to 22 year olds, sometimes it's better for everybody if they're out of the house for a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, it, it is nice for students to be able to have that community as long as they're being safe. And I think to this point, um, students have been safe enough to warrant that trust. Um, and frankly, with, with respect to, you know, the interactions with the city of Kingston, I think, you know, the economic benefits that we're able to bring and the, the you know, life we're able to bring to, to kind of the city, even in a time like this, um, I think they, you know, we have shown that we're a positive force to the community, even, you know, in this time when things are a little bit different and, you know, we have seen, you know, a, a couple of difficulties with COVID, but I, I don't think that, you know, that would necessarily be the, the right decision. And, at this point. and I'm kind of monitoring these comments here too. And I mean, like there are people that are saying, you know, why aren't students following the COVID rules and, and, and why, are, why aren't students sent home for ignoring the rules and, and attending parties? Um, I think it's really important to point out, and I mean, I think, you know, you touched on this before, that it's not all students. I mean, we're, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, even, you know, even if it's, you know, let's, even if it's a thousand students, that's still less than 10% of the total number of students that would be here. And I don't even think it's anywhere near a thousand. Um, but but I think like it's it's worth pointing out that again it's not all students that are engaging in activities like this. It's uh, it's 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 some. It's it's definitely numbers that are you know creating parties and stuff like that. But it's not um, uh, astronomical numbers. And I think you know to David's point, uh, I think he's he's right in saying that it's not uh, it's not all it you know, it's not all students and that the majority of students are handling things properly. But I will say Tammy raised a, a good question um, when she talked about um, the rules uh, and for attending parties and stuff like that. The city of Kingston recently in, increased its fee, um, its bylaw fee, of which I understand that the police have been enforcing. Um, I don't know the details of it. Um, do you know what the details are, David? Uh, I think it was like an $800 fee or something like that. Yeah, I've seen a couple of different numbers thrown around, so I don't want to necessarily speculate. The, the one thing I, I do want to just mention quickly with respect to the parties is, you know, we've got 10,000 students on campus and we've gotten, I believe it's 25 cases linked to Queens in the entire month. Um, you know, if students were rampant kind of partying around it, that, that's not how the trends would be going. The, the fact is it's, it's not even the majority. It's truly the overwhelming majority of students are being really, really safe. Um, and, and it's, you know, I think it's it's one of those things, you know, do Queens, you know, Queens students partying, you know, for sure there's a few students, but there's a few people everywhere in every demographic group that are ignoring COVID-19 guidelines. And and that's why it's not just, unfortunately, students that, that you know, ha have contributed to any spread is, um you know, this is this is kind of a, a society-wide, a city-wide, a country-wide, a worldwide difficulty is that, you know, not everybody's going to respect these rules that are, that are so contingent to, you know, our safety. And Unfortunately, a few students is, is no different than anybody else. Yeah. What, what do you know on, on, on the changes to the bylaws? Like, I know that there have been police that have been going to more parties and stuff and issuing fines. Um, are you aware of, uh, of what those, not, like how many people have got fines or how much the fines are or anything like that? Even anecdotally, I realize yeah. you don't have, have the, the. I think I'd be going mostly on, 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 you know, recently read news articles that most of, most of our viewers could probably, uh, could probably find as well. I think, I saw something that said, you know, they'd handed out, um, I think it was at least under 10 kind of violations. I know that early on, anecdotally, um, a lot of the interactions with police were related to noise complaints. Mm -hmm. But I think now that the gathering, uh, the social gathering guidelines have been decreased, 
Right. It's given the police more power to enforce stricter guidelines um, that are uh, that that are first first of all in line with what should be happening, and second of all that are in line with greater fees. But if you, if you go back to the beginning of September when guidelines were still a hundred people outside and fifty people yeah. inside, I think anecdotally there was a lot of confusion in the student community of um, does that mean that you have to have a hundred people outside but they're all six feet apart wearing masks? Yeah. Does that mean a hundred people outside wearing masks? That was, I think, a point of confusion in the student community. But I think we all know that there is not a single student house in Kingston that could accommodate 50 people indoors, socially distanced, uh, you know, six feet apart. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, that I think the, really the, the driving force of both the fines, but also the, the decrease in social activity I, has been uh, the I gathering think, limits have gone down. I would agree with you that just generally speaking, it's regrettable how much confusion there's been around the bubbles and your groups and outside things. And, um, you know, you look at even just, you know, what they the provincial government was talking about today. So as a student, can you go home this weekend for Thanksgiving or is the province basically telling you not to, because that's not what you're considering where you live right now? You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> there's just so much confusion around it, right? Because the province is basically saying you should only be having Thanksgiving with people in your household. Well, I mean, what's your household right now? Who you're living with in Kingston or going home, right? Like it's it's so confusing, and and uh, it's unfortunate that uh, um, you know there's there's not clear information that's coming out. And, and what I might add on that is it's it's been difficult um, given that. Uh, you know, we've got this backlog of tests and, and not quite enough tests available for, for how many people are, are looking to get tested. You see a lot of students who don't have any confirmed contact with, with COVID-19 or anything like that, but who'd like to get tested before they go home um, to see their families. And, you know, they're kind of being told, no, you have to be symptomatic or have, you know, confirmed contact with a positive case. And so that can put students in a bit of a difficult position if if they haven't been allowed to get tested and they've got to decide, you know, they, they don't think they've they've been in contact with COVID. They, you know, there's still only 20, 25 cases in the community, community of 10,000. That's a lot of people. But going home is is, is that an interesting is that an interesting decision yeah. for a lot of students, unfortunately. Um, and if there were more tests available, I think, you know, people who can get tested, um, it's been, I think, very useful to students because they know that, you know, even if they weren't able to get tested themselves, somebody they've, you know, in their bubble uh, yeah. has been able to. And that's useful. But it's it's a bit of an interesting situation, especially with the testing. Um for students going home is that's kind of combined those two things. Parth, uh, we, we got time for a couple more questions. Do you have another one there? Yeah. Kelly is wondering, David, what ideas does your team have to virtually celebrate the rituals that are so embedded in Queens culture? For example, homecoming. What's the plan for homecoming? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and those conversations have really just started, which is, uh, you know, really exciting. And I wouldn't, I shouldn't say the conversation have just started, but the plans have kind of just started um, you know, being announced and gone, gone into motion. Uh, the AMS, which is kind of the, the, the team that represents every single undergraduate student, whereas we're just the art side students, have been mostly responsible for kind of those plans. So I, I'd maybe defer to those folks on, on the specifics of homecoming. But I think the key is, um, you know, homecoming every year usually has a really strong alumni presence. Uh, you see students obviously celebrating and being very excited by, by the entire community. And we're going to look to replicate that again, like we have every 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 time here. Uh, remotely and that's you know it's something that's you know even from orientation week and then it'll probably you know we, we've seen that recently the the winter was announced that for the faculty arts and science it'll be largely remotely 
Um, this is going to be a challenge that we get a little bit better at every single time of how to build this community remotely, of how to you know really connect people. But homecoming is going to be, you know, it's going to be engaging alumni, celebrating Queen's history, celebrating Queen's traditions um, and bringing students into it. But it'll be a little different. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll read out another comment in case um, to, to get your spirits up a bit, because there have been a lot of <laughs> there have been a few negative ones on here. Catherine said, I'd like to I'd like to say a word of support for the students. I've seen many students doing the right thing and no one is publishing those photos and headlines of Queen students that are socially distancing. They're not evil. They're young people away from home for the first time. Let's educate them. So, I mean, there there are a lot of uh, um, uh, um, um, non-students out there that that are in your corner, so to speak, David. But I think Catherine makes a really good point, which is that there are a lot of, you know, every time that there's a, um, a party going on, that's going to, you know, get the headlines. But you can have 100 people doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's not going to get any headlines at all, right? It's unfortunate. No, I, but, completely but, right. It's, uh, and I, and know, by I, the way, that's what I live day to day in politics. So I know, I know the feeling. Um, Parth, do we have uh, one more question there? I think we have time for one more. Yeah. So the last question tonight comes from Stephanie, who's wondering, Mark, you're right. It's not all students. David, what would you suggest happen to ensure that the some students who are who aren't taking it seriously start to protect the community who welcome them in so nicely? And and I think that that's a really fair question um, because it is saying you know let's focus on those bad apples. Um, what should happen to to people in those situations is what the city has done uh, in terms of increasing the fines and. Um, you know, the, the sanctions uh, enough? Uh, does the university need to step in and start uh, putting some teeth behind it as well? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, you know, the university has signaled that, uh, you know, students will be uh, dealt with kind of in accordance with the code of conduct, um, which, you know, at other universities I know has led to some expulsions. Um, you know, I don't really have any insight on, on whether that would be something that, that could happen here. Um, and that's not, not necessarily a question above my pay grade. Um, but I, I think on the, uh, you know, on this broader question of how we can incentivize students to be safer, I think, first of all, um, the fines, you know, frankly, once the social you know, gathering limits have, have kind of come in and the associated fines have really been ramped up, um, you know, I cannot stress enough how, how large of a proportion of students have been safe. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of this Johnson House party that, that, you know, people kind of keep raising was September 18th, which... I'm, I'm, I'm an art student. I'm not so great at math, but I believe that would be two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that was you know, quite a bit of time ago. And I think we are really seeing that students have been, you know, especially with not only with, I, I think, with, with the fines that are imposed, but I think we've seen, you know, for example, us at ASIS, as I, I alluded to earlier, we've put out messaging with the Faculty of Arts and Science. The AMS has put out messaging. The university has put out messaging. Students get emails in their inboxes all the time. They're getting lots of communications. Peers are, you know, really talking to other peers. We're seeing a huge amount of students. Our vice president, Matt D'Alessandro, was recently in a, a university communication. Um, it was this video called Mask Up or Pack Up. We're seeing a lot of, you know, peer-to-peer -peer work to really get students to, to comply. Um, and I really do, you know, uh, want to stress again, and for all those listening who aren't students, that, that to hope they know that really students, by the, you know, by and large, are truly are compliant. Um, and I, I think we are going to see that throughout the rest of this year, is that students recognize everything that the community, you know, has welcomed them, as you say in the question, um, that they provide for us in terms of the, the life and the culture that we're able to enjoy 
um, when, when we are in Kingston. And so um, I think it, it is really important to, to note that, you know, students are, are being safe and that I think the incentives are working, I think is, I guess, the bottom line that I, I, I didn't have that question to circle back to it. Yeah. And I did across uh, that campaign, I, I saw it on social media where it said uh, pa- uh, mask up or pack up. And I liked it. Like it was very like, and I think that the message when it's coming from, from you guys, from peers is going to be a lot more uh, impactful than when it comes from old people like me. So um, David uh, Nidham Dent, uh, president of the arts, uh, Queens arts and science undergraduate society. David, thanks a lot for taking the time uh, um, to chat with me this evening about this. Appreciate your honesty, candor and uh, answering people's questions. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks a lot. Have a great, have a great night. Have a great night. <laughs>